the role of the recruiter is paramount in helping shape that experience for the client and the candidate. And I think that done well, you can only really do by that personal touch. I think there's a lot of focus now on systems, processes and technology It is amazing, you know, and I'm not saying that that doesn't help with recruitment, but I think the foundations really need to lie with getting to know your candidate, getting to know your client and making sure that that match is right. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry. It's a pleasure to have you along again for another episode as we explore what's going on in our fantastic industry. It's been a a surprisingly busy August at uh, the REC so far. Lots going on. Um, Draw your attention to two or three things in particular. Our uh, July billings data came out on the 7th of August, and uh, that told a story that I think many members have reflected to me that they recognise of uh, clients who are confident in their own business, but just a bit cautious with the wider uh, macroeconomic picture right now, leaning more heavily on temp. So the temp market gradually growing again. That's three years straight that the, uh, the, the temp uh, market's been growing month on month for. Um, and per maybe just slowing a little more and now we've had a dropping content market for six seven months probably through the period where we could write it off as normalization of the the kind of really uh, positive perm year of 2022 and a bit more caution in uh, in client thinking there uh, big uptick in uh, candidate availability and that's a sign along with vacancies still rising, that clients are reshaping their businesses to meet uh, the the reality of the economy right now, both hiring in some areas, maybe letting people go in others. So quite still quite a tumultuous picture out there, um, but plenty of opportunity to, uh, to help clients in that uh, change process that they're going through. And I'm hopeful that today's discussion uh, in the podcast will help with that. Before we get on to that, a couple of other uh, bits from the REC. Do check out the digital guide from REC Live 23. That captures all the best content from our uh, annual conference in July. Let's you dig in on issues from uh, where clients are to technology and its effects on the industry, from uh, equality to diversity and inclusion to politics in the run-up to the uh, to the election and the economic outlook. So loads of really rich stuff there to help your business thinking and likewise loads of really rich stuff in our new technology report which is about how tech is changing the industry and the steps you can take in your uh, business. We launched that in late July and it's available for uh, members on the website now. Looking towards the uh, the autumn, uh, I'm used at this time of year to get uh, to get rolled uh, eyes and raised eyebrows from my kids when they see the back to school stuff in in the shops in early August. Uh, but we are we do have a busy September lined up. If you're thinking about how to help your consultants really thrive in this uh, tumultuous, not cautious but not bad market uh, then do think about uh, coming along bringing a group to the uh, Greg Savage master classes that we're running throughout September six cities so we're in Belfast we're in Glasgow we're in Manchester we're in Birmingham we're in London and we're in Bristol 
Uh, Greg has a fantastic new book out that you'll get a copy of if you come along and join us. And his uh, presentation is based on that. And it's about the skills for consultants to be successful in a market like this. Really worth uh, your time. The other big uh, thing that we got that we'd encourage you to come along to is our regional and national networking uh, meetings. Uh, there's one in Scotland on the 7th of September, in the east of England on the 13th of September and for London on the 14th of September. So if you uh, want to get those into your diary, come along, book on, on the REC website. We'd love to see you. Um, and with that, let's turn back to that question I posed earlier about uh, clients in a uh, time of flux candidates perhaps not sure uh, where they are in the kind of professional role uh, that recruiters uh, can play with a people first policy delighted to welcome to the podcast emily summerhays who's director at hoop recruitment uh, emily welcome to the rec pod thank you for having me so uh, some people might not know hoop is a business tell us a little bit about hoop just to to kick things off of course. So um, Hoop Recruitment, we were established in 2016. We're an agency based in South Wales. Um, our, predominantly, we work with um, Welsh clients, but our plans and what we're doing over the, the, this year and next few years is expanding our offering um, into the rest of the UK. Um, Hoop Recruitment um, were established with kind of um, the, the mission to change the perception of the recruitment industry. And our promise is quite clear that we put people first always. Um, and our purpose is to, I suppose, help people find happiness in work. Um, and that that's kind of our mantra. Um, I personally have worked in the industry for um, 18 years. I was with a big corporate agency previously. Um, and uh, the reason that I joined Hoop was this mantra and the fact that we were kind of putting relationships and people at the core of what we do. Um, and when I joined Hoop in 2018 to sort of set up the professional services recruitment there, that's what I had in mind um, and started off the um, division with kind of a phone myself and a couple of contacts um, on a database. But everything else was my network, was my relationships and um, I suppose people that I've known in the industry for a long time. So um, that is a story many of us will recognise in the industry and, you know, Hoop have been great supporters of REC Cymru for, for some time. Yeah. Uh, and as you, as you expand, we look forward to working with the business across the rest of the, uh, the UK as well. Um, but what we're going to do today is explore a little bit about this uh, issue of kind of putting people first and the kind of classic what am I call the classic skills of a recruiter that are only becoming more important as we face a tight labor market and uh, rapidly changing demand so you know for you what makes the relationships you form essential to the success of recruiters at hoop how do and and, and how does it impact the overall success of what you do I think, you know, that the relationship building really sets us apart um, from others. And I think it starts with the candidate journey for, for me and for the people here that we work with, because a lot of the time, you know, who your candidate might be now 
um, can be a client in years to come. <clears throat> and I hear a lot um, people sort of saying, calling us and asking us to help them with recruitment. And the line can be, you know, you were wonderful in helping me find a job two or three years ago. Um, and because of the experience that I had then, I wouldn't go in elsewhere. And I, I trust you now to help me on my journey. Um, and I think that, you know, people buy from people um, and it's the classic, isn't it, that people may forget what you did or said, but they won't forget how, um, you know, something made you feel. Um, and I think the role of the recruiter is paramount in helping shape that experience for the client and the candidate. And I think that done well, you can only really do by that personal touch. I think there's a lot of focus now on systems, processes and technology It is amazing, you know, and I'm not saying that that doesn't help with recruitment, but I think the foundations really need to lie with getting to know your candidate, getting to know your client and making sure that that match is right. So that's really interesting because I'm I'm hearing resonance with what I've been working up with Greg for um, for our roadshows in September. That piece around, you know, a lot of the points where as recruiters we lose the placement, we lose the candidate, Absolutely. the client. It, it, it's it's about where we don't engage ears first and and change what we're doing according to what the human being is telling us and yeah. is that is that at the heart of um the heart of how you win this kind of competitive war for talent Absolutely. um you know kind of understanding your candidate and and indeed your client um is at least as much about deciding what you do it's that strategic advantage is that fair yeah, I would absolutely agree. And I think what you were saying there about, um, you know, it being a competitive market um, and we know that at the moment there is a candidate shortage, there's a skill shortage um, and there is a real war for talent out there. And, and what we're kind of finding is the things that candidates are prioritising would be salary and benefits, um, flexible working, but also purpose and culture. So organisations that have got, um, you know, maybe um, inspiring CEOs or um, you know a culture that fosters that flexibility where they can have the work-life balance. And it's really hard to get to the nitty gritty of what the candidate is looking for and what the client wants from their hire unless you really talk to them. Um, so an example being, you know, you might find from having a lengthy conversation with somebody that what's really important to them for the next career move um, is actually working underneath somebody who um, is going to be a role model to them and develop them. Um, now, you only really find that out through a lengthy conversation. Um, and likewise, then when you speak to your client, they may have that CEO in place, but you're only going to find that out by asking those questions and really get into the nitty gritty of who that person is, where they were from, how they've developed their workforce. So that the, when you're then speaking to the candidate to sell them that vacancy, you can pull on those examples um, that will really resonate with them. I think otherwise, you're just going by something that maybe just says on a, on the job spec, uh, we offer development and progression. Um, and that's not going to be enough. Um, so a lot of these job seekers may have three or four vacancies um, in place at one time. And they 
you know, by that lengthy conversation with an agent, maybe for 20 minutes, half an hour talking through the the ins and outs of this company, that's going to set that role apart from the rest. Um, and what we're finding is that the consultants that are doing that, the consultants that are really finding out this information are the ones that are having the biggest success in their fill rate and less dropouts. Um, also, you know, that relationship that's built, the job seeker may be less inclined to pull out of an interview if they've had a lengthy conversation with that consultant um, because they're going to be invested and they they might have sort of reservations, but they really have that trust in that consultant. So they think, you know what, I'm going to go along and I'm going to see what um, what it's like because, you know, Melissa at X agency has told me the ins and outs. So I'm going to I'm going to trust her. Um, and I think what we're finding is that the consultants that are doing that are getting repeat business as well. You see, that's interesting because um, I'm reflecting on something that I've been told by a few REC members now about kind of who the performers are in their businesses amongst yeah. their consultants. And maybe last year, some of the earlier career consultants um, were doing kind of really, uh, really well. And and some other consultants who may be a bit more experienced, different approach were were you know, doing well, but not top of the charts. And and this year, what's changed is those consultants are the highest billers in their organisation mm-hmm. um, because the market's changed. Because I, you know, it's not just it's not process. You know, the, you don't have exactly. tons of people looking for looking for jobs and lots of demand. Uh, the 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 market is more difficult to uh to navigate and all of this speaks to me like um speaks to me as being about um our understanding of what productivity is in recruitment yeah because i think it's really easy to i know largely move on beyond just measuring outbound call volume and stuff like that uh but there's something about is it productivity if you're working 20 jobs contingency in a process where you maybe place one by comparison to working five jobs with a or or even three jobs with a much deeper relationship um and and certainly there is a there's a sort of value judgment for firms to make on where they want to be on that scale Exactly. And I think people have to decide, like, who are they? You know, the recruitment agency, what what kind of agency do they want to be? Um, and, and we're finding within our staff here that absolutely that, um, you know, actually it's the consultants that may have less vacancies that they're working on, but they're working on them exclusively. They've got that relationship with their clients and their fill rate is really, really high. Um, and they've got the confidence, I suppose, and the market knowledge because they've built those relationships to be able to advise the clients and work as a true consultant. So strategically giving them insights into the market and saying, actually, look, I know you're looking for this person with X system to work for three weeks in the middle of nowhere. However, I'm not just going to agree with you and tell you that I can fill that role. What I'm going to say to you is that you're not going to find someone like that, but this is who you might find. Um, And I think having that transparency and honesty, um, clients are really valuing. And then what's resulting in that is the placement um, you know, you could have 15 to 20 vacancies and promise your client the world. 
but that's that's you know that's not all that's not going to be possible um and it was interesting that you were saying about how you know the, the tides have turned and i think there was a period you know post pandemic that a lot of you know a lot of roles that were coming in it was it was kind of you know based on technology and and searching and finding can you find anybody that can do this role um and but now i think hirers are becoming more cautious um people you know hiring managers are thinking actually we don't 100% need this role we only want to recruit if it's right if the person is right that's out there and i guess that's our role now as recruiters to assess is this person right um, you know, flexibility, I mentioned, being um, one of the key things that candidates are looking for. That can flexibility can mean different things to different people. So an example being, you know, we had a candidate recently that, you know, on a Wednesday, they their daughter was in a gymnastics academy and they had to um, be there at four o'clock to take her there every every Wednesday, because that's the reality of what flexibility meant to her. Um, but the client, although they were a flexible client, the board meetings for that particular organisation were at 4.30 on a Wednesday. So that match wasn't going to work, even though, it, you know, in terms of the, you know, the, the person type, the skill sets matched for that particular reason. Now, the only reason we found that out was through very, very in-depth questioning to the client and the candidate to find out what does flexibility mean? And we probed with those questions. And when the, when the you know, candidate said, I need flexibility, we asked that question, what does that flexibility look like? You know, using those kind of hypothetical questions, it's, it really is back to old school basic recruitment. Um, but I think consultants that are doing that, are getting the match the placement is is you know is happening and then the client is really appreciating the transparency through that process um that that's what we're finding yeah and i think that you know it's easy to say well that sounds great at the top end of uh, uh of the industry when you're doing perm jobs for kind of people north of say 50 grand a year mm-hmm. but actually the market's tight enough and the kind of pressure on clients to get their hiring right is tight enough that these lessons um, translate in different ways to to different parts of the parts of the industry, um, because ultimately it's about finding an individual the opportunity that they need for their next step and uh, solving a client's problem, even when the client might not be able to articulate what their problem is particularly clearly. All of this is leading me down the road that says kind of technology will help make what we do more efficient, but this doesn't feel like something that the tech can replace. No, absolutely. And I I completely agree. Technology is really, really important. And I'm not by any means here saying that it's not. Um, And I think, you know, there's been so many advancements in, um, in technology since I started with recruitment. Um, you know, back in 2006, where it was kind of me, a phone and, and the yellow pages. Um, but I think now, you know, the, the tools that we've got to source, um, LinkedIn, um, the job boards, all the different ranges, you know, we've got tools like um, Sourcebreaker, um, different CRMs, ATS, Idaboo, um, you know, the list is is, is so long and, and it will continue. And I think all of these are invaluable. 
Um, but I think you can't expect to do well in this market by using these tools alone. I think they, they're they there to add value um, to the recruiter. And I think if you've got a recipe where you've got a good relationship builder, somebody who listens, somebody who cares, and they've got these tools to support them, that's when you're going to have, um, you know, a real recipe for success there and, and a, any, you know, in a top built bit, you know, biller. Um, we, I think we built what we had here at Hoop um, initially on very basic tools um, and a very basic tech stack. And it was all really on relationship building um, at the beginning. But now we're expanding and, um, you know, we're looking to grow into different areas and different markets. We've definitely acknowledged that uh, we need to um, improve our technology and our tech stack has, has, is increasing and, and we're using that. But we would never, ever, um, you know, think that that is going to replace the people element of what it is that we do um because it's that positive experience that is is meaning that people are coming back to us um and our clients are showing showing that loyalty yeah and, and the two interact fundamentally don't they which is you know technology is great for improving the efficiency of recruitment firms Absolutely. but if you get it wrong you get it wrong progressively quickly because the tech is so efficient and you know big i mentioned earlier our um report tech enabled humanity that came out in july yeah. um, and a big theme there is the border between the tech and humanity yeah. um yeah it's that piece around you know, not letting your you know let your business strategy drive your tech stack not the other way around and making sure that when you do make those big tech investments they they are properly adopted you know the biggest challenge to any recruitment crm is to what extent and how skillful are your consultants at using it and is it making their like is it fundamentally is it making them more effective at at, at making placements so they kind of interaction of tech transformation and having the right skill sets on the desk feels like it's almost a secret sauce for yeah for the industry now I would agree. And and I thought that report was brilliant. Um, so I'd advise anybody who um, is in the recruitment industry who hasn't read it to read it. You can come um, back. <laughs> but honestly it's really really you know really resonated with um with us here and there was one one part of that that I thought really resonated which was that I think as more and more consultants are using um different tools so different job boards linkedin you know they're relying on those platforms to do their recruitment like linkedin recruiter and these companies are investing heavily into CRM systems, but are they actually being used? And is it the fact that they, you know, they're focusing their times on the time on these other resources, and they're almost having to double up on their work by then putting that information into the CRM? Um, but if it's not in the CRM, then that doesn't really protect the agency and the business that you've got because that information is with the consultant as opposed to with the business that you're working in. 
and um, it's really interesting. And I think we've we've definitely seen the challenges with um, kind of through our growth here is starting off at the very basics and trying to streamline things more um, and maybe encouraging consultants who do prefer to work kind of slightly off piste to come and make sure that all the information that they're finding out is added to that CRM. And I think what we've found has worked really well is really drum down on what are the mandatory things and what are the key things that are needed in that CRM to code and what are the things that actually uh, we don't need because I mean there are some of these systems are so complicated and all singing or dancing and they're almost designed to I don't know, almost replace the human need for recruitment. But actually, we we don't need to use all these different areas because if we physically inputted everything that was um, possible to input on an ATS or a CRM, there's no way you could ever have time to have lengthy conversations with candidates and clients. So what we've kind of... Um, done here is really establish what are the mandatory things and they tend to be location it tends to be making sure that we can you know access where somebody is their salary their availability um their industry that they work in their job title you know and really breaking down those kind of it's probably no more than 10 key things and if they're in the system then we use the system as almost like a basic tool to go right let's access the people that we can first to the network and then it's up to the consultants and the consultants that are good will then look at that list and they'll pretty much know most people that are on it or they'll be able to you know quickly look at that list as a prompt and go right I know who's good for that and I know that doesn't work on every desk um, because you know admin secretarial temp work for example will move so fast um, that you do have to have different mechanisms talent pools and ways to contact them quickly and that's where technology is amazing you know the ability to be able to text message them or contact people um, and find out their availability at the drop of a hat um but yeah I, I suppose in answer to your question I think the the two together is the important thing and actually using the CRM in um you know sensibly there's something in there you mentioned about faster paced ones and you know one of the things I often pick up on is you know how do we integrate platforms that in the faster paced temp bits of the industry into what we're doing and ultimately I think the two go hand in hand it's yeah. you know how can I do digitally what I need to do digitally if I'm a kind of an agency nurse yeah I do want to be able to accept and turn down shifts yes. online without yeah. talking to someone but equally if I've got a problem with my accreditation or I want to change my entry on your CRM uh, to say I don't want to do shifts in Southampton anymore but I'm happy to mm -hmm. pick them up in London mm -hmm. um, that I have to have that ability and that that uh, to have a two-way conversation with, with with the agency so there's that that balance is is absolutely right but yeah. be before we close I sort of have one last question Emily because you know it hinted at the top of the pod that you know in the perm world things are you know not bad but harder um that that clients are a little bit more cautious in 2023 uh, 
unsurprisingly, given cost of capital is way up, falling interest rates, people are waiting to see how uh, how this unwinds. There's some hope that there's a soft landing for the Western economies, which great in terms of you know seeing the turnaround without major dislocation in the labour market. Um, if you've committed to doing things a certain way, um, this kind of strongly human um, focus on deep relationships, and it isn't quite coming because of external factors, you know, there's a natural kind of voice in the back of your head that says, just throw jelly at the wall and see what sticks. So how do you, how do you encourage the kind of relationship builders you're developing at Hoop to to show some resilience and, and you know and rise above those difficulties to stay yeah. focused on what you're trying to deliver it's a really really good question and i think it all starts with our internal hiring process and making sure that we've we've done a lot of work on this here at hoop um and we've had to kind of establish what are our values what is our purpose what is you know our promise to our clients and we've gone sort of looked at that from from the offset and we've said, right, OK, so actually these are the certain behaviours that we need from our consultants to ensure, I suppose, that they have got that resilience or they've got that customer service focus, that they are empathetic, that they work with integrity. So we have we've established them. Um, and it starts with, I suppose, who we attract to our business. And we've definitely got sort of a lot more kind of, um, I suppose, picky and particular about who we bring into the business. Um, I think post-pandemic, there was a lot that, you know, the recruitment industry was, rose huge. I mean, we grew 90% year on year post-pandemic, which was incredible. And we found that there was a lot of people that then wanted to work for us. And a lot of people suddenly thought, oh, God, recruitment looks like a great industry to work working um and i think then we found that actually exactly that if you attract the wrong people into your business then it can all you know it, it can go wrong and it can um steer you away from i suppose what your purpose is so that's number one and then it's kind of constant um development um learning and development and training and induction into the business of showing look this is how we work um we also focus a lot on making sure that our consultants are on the phone um, and speaking to people um, and try and do that kind of person before email approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and our key thing really is encouraging because uh, building rapport and building relationships, there's, you know, there is an art and a science to it. And it's about listening. And I know that sounds cliched, but it's about really making sure that you ask the right questions um, and you listen to your clients and you engage in those conversations and you you act, I suppose, on the information that that they tell you. Um, it is definitely, you know, it is challenging. Um, but we, you know, we are confident that if we carry on with this, along with, I suppose, the you know, using the technology that we've got, um, we've still got a contact lines. We've still got databases where we've got to reach out to a certain number of people. But it's then when somebody does come back to you and say, actually, I need a temp, rather than emailing back and saying, yeah, I'll send you some CVs. It's about picking up the phone. Great. I mean, that that makes a lot of sense to me. Emily, thank you so much for spending some time with us today on the pod. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure people can hit you up on LinkedIn uh, uh, if they want to follow up on anything. But um, remind us of where to find Hoop online. Um, so um, we've got our LinkedIn pages, which would be Hoop Recruitment um, and our website 
um www.hooprecruitment.co.uk um so yeah please please do contact myself or anyone of the team here at hoop um you know and we'll be we'll be happy to share any insights well thank you very much uh, for joining us again and thank you to everyone who's uh, who's listening to today's episode of uh, the REC podcast if you've enjoyed this chat with Emily I dig into some of our uh, other recent episodes particular recommendation for episode 14 this year with Paul Sharp and Miles Lloyd of North Star People on RPO and MSP and what developing into that space means for medium-sized recruitment businesses who are looking at clients who are looking for a bit more support and a bit more relationship uh, with uh, their recruiters uh, goes quite happily hand in hand with the discussion that we've just been having with Emily. Um, Thank you again for listening in uh, on today's episode and I'll look forward to talking to you again on another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening today. I hope you took away some valuable thoughts from this discussion. If you'd like to hear more, head to rec.uk.com forward slash talking recruitment or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Simply search Talking Recruitment to find us.